Hello, this is Lee Matthew Goldberg. I'm the author of Slow Down, which will be released by New Pulp Press on January 20th, uh, 2015. And you'll be able to get it on Amazon and Barnes Noble and independent bookstores. I'm here talking to the very funny Erin Conroy, who is a comedian that has moved out to L.A. Um, how are you doing today, Erin? I'm very well, Lee Goldberg. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I'm super, super excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks so okay. much for doing this. Um, yeah. So tell me, what, what prompted you to move out to L.A.? What are you, what are you there for? Oh, I'm here living the dream. Well, pursuing the dream. I'm not living it yet, but I've I been mean, doing everybody, stand-up comedy. Yeah. Everybody at one point, I think, is pursuing it. Uh, that definitely I think so, is the too. Start. Yeah. Every now, at some point, you have to be like, ah, screw it, and you just like... <laughs> kick a couple boxes out, and then you just move across the country, which is what I did about six months ago. So I mean, I'm trying to get used to the change of New York City to Los Angeles. Like, it's a, it's a bit of a change. What's some of the biggest changes that you have kind of felt? Um, no public transportation is a huge problem. Yeah. And, like, they seriously need to get some sort of train. Boo up on in. that. Dude, I mean, so, I mean, driving everywhere would be fine if it wasn't for the other drivers. It would probably be really pleasant. But, um... The weather is weird. Like, it's December right now, and I just wore a light jacket to work. It doesn't make any sense. So, and people are pretty nice, which also has me on edge. I don't That's definitely that. different than, than New York. Um, <laughs> and are you, are, you doing, are you doing stand-up shows there? I am. I'm doing shows all over the city. I've been, you know, Santa Monica. Uh, I'll be doing um, shows at the San Diego Comedy Festival in a month. That uh, so is if anybody, amazing. Any of your fans are in San Diego, they can check me out January 21st. Okay. And, uh, yeah. But I am most excited about January 20th. Your book comes out the day before. That's that's very true. Thank you so much. Well, what's, what's so interesting excited. is that um, you've read uh, a very early draft of Slow Down, where it was a lot different, um, because I think the first draft, you had read it in third person, and mm -hmm. then ultimately, I made a last-minute call and changed the whole thing to first person. Um, oh, yeah. And that, I think, actually is what got it sold. I think so, too. It made a huge difference. It lended so much uh, vitality to the main character. And it made, mm -hmm. made the story and the, and the stress and the, and the suspense so much more close to home for the reader. It was, ugh. I love this book. I'm so excited about this book. What, well, like, who are your influences? Who influences oh. you to write this kind of suspense novel, this kind well, of... I, well, I, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think my influences, you know, of course, they range from classic writers like F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway. Um, I've always loved Herman Hesse. Um, but really for this book, I, you know, I was an 80s child and my first readings, even though I was probably a little too young to read their books, were um, Jay McInerney and Brett Easton Ellis. And I just always fell in love with characters that sometimes you kind of love to hate you know definitely um rules of attraction and american psycho and the informers i i really found a connection to characters that weren't necessarily squeaky clean and 100 percent of who they were because i think in reality none of us are squeaky clean 100 percent of the time either oh absolutely so you were a fan of the anti-hero before it became huge you know in the last yeah. five years you yeah, that's, that's that. very true. I mean, I always sort of embraced um, the anti-hero. And now, I mean, especially in television, it's like, I feel like a oh, show yeah. a show can't be made these days unless there's an anti-hero. Um, <laughs> and I, and I think... Epicenter. What did you say? This flawed epicenter. That yeah, you're yeah. So again? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, what what's so appealing um, 
for for people is that you have a character that is so rounded that isn't just you know like the sitcom dad that's always funny and always whatever <laughs> you know that you have characters like Tony Soprano and Walter White and um, Nucky from Boardwalk Empire that you really start to feel for even when they're killing people and doing horrific things. Yeah. Um, and I and I really kind of found influence from TV as well for for Slow Down. You know the the main character Noah Spaeth, even though I like him, um, he's really not a good person. He kind he's of, hard to love. He's hard he's to hard love. To you know, yeah. he definitely um, always kind of thinks of himself first before anybody else, and his drive to become sort of famous and be this kind of famous writer and and director consumes him so much to the point that he really can't see sort of the world around him and literally if he doesn't slow down and kind of you know realize this he's going to be headed down a really really dark path that's going to kind of bite him in the end oh yeah and like i love that i love him being such a con like a conflicted and a difficult character to try and sympathize with mm -hmm. and to try and understand mm -hmm. but what else I like what I really love about slowdown especially because I'm in LA now and I really desperately miss New York <laughs> is you are a lifetime New Yorker you're born yes. and raised in the city like you're one of those like you're a real New Yorker yeah, and a lot I, of that comes out in this book you know you you show the Upper East Side the privileged upbringing but then you also show the seedy underworld mm -hmm. you know and, and down in Alphabet City and places to get the drugs and the back alley clubs and blah 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 there's a real sense of the city in this book which well, I really, really love. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I spent the majority of my life in Manhattan, basically, which mm -hmm. is a very weird way, I, I think, to live your entire existence. Um, oh, but for I me, don't understand it at all. <laughs> for me, it's kind of completely normal. I mean, I went to a, a, a really good private school, you know, growing up, but across the street was a crackhead park. You know, that was sort of <laughs> the error that, that I kind of came of age in. I love in. that it's a crackhead park, too. Like, only crackheads allowed in. I, I mean, it was like you didn't want to go in because they kind of monopolized it. Um, and I probably, all the good swings. Uh, I, oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I probably saw things at an early age that most people probably hadn't. Um, you know, we were, we were taught don't pick up the colorful crack vials when we were in kindergarten because they were just kind of littered all over the streets. Um, so I, I think some of that seeped into, you know, we live in a New York now that, I mean, right now specifically, you know, New York is in a little bit of chaos in terms of, you know, what, what, what happened with Eric Garner and, and, and things like that. Um, but it, New York has sort of become this kind of picture perfect, um, city almost where like everything's clean and chain restaurants are moving in and the price to live here is exorbitant and outrageous. Okay. And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the city that I grew up in and isn't really most of the world. So I wanted that to be a part of New York City, too, where, yeah, these people might live on a classic eight on the Upper East Side and, you know, have a maid and, you know, what seemingly is a picture perfect life. But much like um, David Lynch, uh, who's a huge, huge influence of mine, there's always this kind of dark underbelly. Um, under the surface of what seems um, kind of nice and squeaky clean. And I like that about Slow Down, too, that a lot of the characters um, sort of have that dual side where they put on sort of these masks that they allow people that, to see them as, but on the inside there's a lot of disturbing stuff really kind of fighting um, amongst their organs. 
And it's also funny, too, because, like, a couple of them, Noah especially, um, but also it's Evie, right? Nevi, yes. Nevi. Mm-hmm. The masks they put on to, you know, to present themselves to the outside world, the masks are terrible, too. You yeah, know, it's like yeah. they're so confused and so desperately trying to find an identity that's mm-hmm. going to be the one that they show everybody that, I, you know, you don't know which is worse or which is better. You know, the, what they want people to believe they are or what they really are. And it's, you know, it's that dichotomy that's in all your characters. And it, it's, it's fascinating and it's terrifying and it's pretty realistic. Yeah, <laughs> so. you know, and I think like, you know, I mean, now you live in, in L.A. where I'm sure that's sometimes a big part of new people oh, yeah. that you're meeting. And, you know, also just this reality TV world that we live in where, like, what person of yourself are you really kind of showing people? Is it real or is this all just kind of construed in terms of what you think somebody sort of wants to perceive you as? Um, and I think, you know, with, with a lot of the characters in Slow Down... They all just have this kind of laser focus in terms of, you know, seeking this fame and that fame is sort of above everything else that the rest of their life kind of gets kind of pushed off to the side in that pursuit. And ultimately, you know, dangerous things wind up happening because of that. Oh, yeah. And also it doesn't help that so many of them are younger, too. You know, you have that... that brazen mm-hmm. immortality of youth where, you know, well, it might affect you, but it won't affect me. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to make these decisions and I'm going to be the one that succeeds. And, you know, we've all, we've all seen the mighty fall. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. You know, and I, I think what's really interesting about this book is that the first draft that I wrote, I was 22 and yeah. then kind of put it in a desk for about 10 or 11 years until I, I kind of picked it up again. And, the writing was awful, but the um, the story was there, and it was something that I felt I really now could kind of shape. But I think I I wouldn't have been able now to really get that sort of rawness of what oh, it's yeah. like to kind of graduate college, and you know, even if you're loaded, just be kind of lost in terms of well, I I've done everything that I was supposed to do. Now what? You know, what sort of comes next in terms of job, career? marriage, kids, you know, that that sort of steps that everybody takes, um, you know, should I start putting that in motion right away? And and I think Noah really is kind of going through that where he finishes college, he moves back home, his parents are traipsing around Europe, he doesn't really have anyone to kind of guide him, and the character of Dominic that plays the, the movie director um, whose movie Noah falls in with kind of becomes that twisted big brother mentor, um, even though both are manipulating each other for their own gains the whole time, it's almost like, who's going to be the one to manipulate that person the most and, and ultimately get what they want? Yep. It's, I think it's very interesting, too, to see, you know, in the end, you know, was Dominic leading Noah down a bad road or vice versa? You know, yeah. It's, a very, it's very interesting to see the twists and turns and, and the different ways the relationships grow and mutate. Mm-hmm. Mutate almost seems like a better word because it's not always growing in a good way. I think you know, that's a perfect yeah. word, actually, to describe. Their, their relationship is a type of mutation and sort of growths are forming off of it at every sort of <laughs> moment. Um, you know, and, and you have these two people that are sort of wildly almost too intelligent for their own good and are working their damnedest to kind of outmaneuver the other one. And... You know, the girl, Nevi is the one that really kind of gets caught in the middle. And Dominic's wife as well um, sort of adds that you know, normally you have sort of a love triangle. Here you have kind of a love, like a really kind of twisted love rectangle almost. 
um, <laughs> which I think is a little more interesting than just kind of the standard love triangle that you often see in, in, in books and film. Yeah, especially when you get to know who these women are and what they lend to it. So, I mean, without giving too much away, every person brings a different vitality and a different danger mm -hmm. to these four relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's all very different, but it's all very, like, ugh, it's all very threatening, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I want people, when they read it at times, to be uncomfortable and to feel threatened and to kind of feel sometimes what the characters are going through as well. My the type of fiction that I write and that I kind of gravitate towards is never just sort of bland things that could happen in everyday life. I like kind of playing with the surreal a little bit and the the drug fast that kind of comes to play throughout the um, throughout the book that some of the characters get hooked on and kind of takes over the city um, a little bit um, adds that kind of surreal quality to to the book that I wanted along with. Um, these sort of pervasive yellow circle tattoos that begin popping up on girls' backs all around the city um, that adds that really kind of noir feeling that, that, that I really wanted for this book. It adds the noir feeling and also having that drug permeate the city almost takes you back to a time when New York wasn't as clean and when it, when it wasn't as sanitized and, and cocaine and crack were making such a huge impact on the lives of people, you know, rich, poor, black, white, throughout the city mm -hmm. in the 80s. So it's kind of like a throwback to that era. Yeah, I never... Like, it's almost like a weird love letter, that terrible time <laughs> in New York, in a weird way. And it's, 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 it's hard to explain, but it's almost, it's almost nice and almost nostalgia for a No, I think, I think you yeah. explained it really well. I, I hadn't really thought of that, but I, I do think it adds sort of an old element of the city, you know, and it, there's... There's a quote that, that Dominic's wife, Isadora, says that she says to Noah that, you know, we're, we're the old city. You know, she was a little girl that grew up on Essex Street and then was sweet and innocent. And the city kind of wrangled her to become this sort of, you know, succubus, basically. <laughs> um, and I think New York can do that to people. You know, New York is wonderful and, and I'm a native and I love it and there's amazing things about it. But it's a difficult city to exist in. It's... It you're always on and you're always moving and you're always hustling and that can wear on people sometimes, you know, in a very similar way that I'm sure LA is, is as well, that, you know, they're both kind of cities that don't seem like they ever really sleep at all. Yeah. I don't know, LA, I feel like they're taking a lot of naps in the sun. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe the smog, the smog, like, gets to the people smog, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the smog kind of, like, it off. shuts your eyelids, and you're just, like, you're sleepy, because you're like, it's too heavy, but, uh, plus you're eating all the Mexican food all the time, so you, yeah. just, you, need, you need your nap. You do, yeah, but you need York, your like, siesta. New York, makes you, New York makes you work for it. New York makes you earn it, and you'll always love New York if you can stay there for any period. Like, I put in almost eight years in New York. Yeah, and I you're, like, a, you're a true New Yorker. You yeah, know. I hated it, and then I loved it, and now yeah. I miss it terribly with mm -hmm. every fiber of my being. And, like, life outside of New York will probably be easier no matter where I am that's not mm -hmm. New York, but it will never be the same. Yeah, you know, I mean, I always, I love to travel, and, and I feel like to exist here, you have to kind of leave it and travel. But mm -hmm. I do always find myself, you know, towards the end of trips, like, you know, wanting New York again. And yeah. wanting the chaos and, you know, I mean, I live in Midtown, so, like, the super chaos of it all. Yeah. And I think, like, <laughs> my writing really thrives off of, of that, too, that if I existed in a place like Vermont, which I love and I love to escape to, but I think if I lived there 24-7, the, the pace of it would affect my writing, I think, in some way. Like, 
the nervous energy that I have from living in New York, I mm -hmm. think I, I wind up putting into my work as well, and it, and it helps. And that my office kind of is Central Park for most of the year. Yeah. I think really helps too. Yeah, you can't you can't really beat the view from that office. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, I during the winter I rent a a, a space in Paragraph down in Union Square, which I love, and I, and I love it in the winter. But I I I love writing outside, and I love my tree in Central Park, and I feel like that tree has helped me write, slow down, and hopefully a lot of other things as well. Yeah. Aww. Oh, my tree. The New York love. Your tree. Your my tree. tree. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've got, like, a, a mulberry bush outside of my apartment. Okay. Like, it's infested with ants, but, like, kind of the same thing. Yeah, you got to, I mean, you have to start somewhere, basically. <laughs> and that mulberry tree might lead to an even better tree in, in, in Maybe a few so. Months. I yeah. guess we'll have to yeah. see. <laughs> you never know. So, so yeah, how, so January twentieth is when it's when it comes out. I'm so excited. What I mean, what do you have to get done now before the lead up? Are you just gonna enjoy the ride? Are we? Are um, we... I'm trying to enjoy the ride. Um, there's definitely uh, a bunch of things that still have to be done. Um, we were. I was just reviewed in Publishers Weekly uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, so it was a good review. So that was a great start, and I've gotten some really good blurbs that have come in. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it now is, you know, uh, like these podcasts that I'm doing, um, which have been really a blast to do and kind of made me thought about doing it on a little more of a grand scale, possibly in the future. Um, and, uh, I'm also working on a, a TV show pilot right now. So that's kind of taken a lot of my time too. Yep. Um, so it, it, sometimes I have to kind of put that down and then jump back into, into slow down. And then I'm also readying, a a series of thrillers that, that my agent, um, Sam Hyatt will be pitching, um, hopefully by about March, um, to, to some editors. Um, so there's kind of a lot, there's a lot on the plate, uh, that makes it kind of difficult to just kind of sit back and, and enjoy it. Um, but I definitely plan on doing that. Um, yeah, well. exactly. Well, you know, it's, it's better to be busy and, and have so much that, so, I mean, you have so much that you're getting ready to shop around in the near future and then, you know, in the further future, which is a terrific, it's a terrific problem to have, honestly. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, I you mean, know when you, when you have the downtime, you'll take it and you'll go hard after a beach somewhere. But in the meantime, this is just exciting. This is, you know, as somebody who's you. been reading your stuff for years now, like I'm, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more excited, and I cannot wait for other people to see what I've been reading. Well, thank you, and I, yeah. I have to say, Aaron, you know, um, beyond just being an, a hilarious comedian, and <laughs> everybody needs to go to your website, which is AaronConroy.com. AaronConroy.com, and if you're out in LA, absolutely check out any um, stand-up that she does. If yeah. you're around for the San Diego um, Comedy um, Fest. That is yep. on the 21st of January. Yep, day after your book comes day out. Day after my book comes out. So people ba people basically need to be busy in January doing, yeah. <laughs> doing all of that. Um, but, you know, I have to say, like, you know, you, you've read a lot of my work that, that I'm still working on and that um, um, I'm sending out now. And beyond just being an, uh, a hilarious person and a great friend, you're also a really stellar editor as well, um, which which is such a talent that I don't think a lot of people have, um, and 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 definitely um, you know all of my books I, I I owe a big thank you to you as well um, because um, even with this one um, with that early draft um, you had really amazing notes that really kind of shaped what it what it became 
Um, and I remember you sort of quoted, um, you were like, this is a book about horrible people doing horrible things to one another. And I was like, yup, that's basically <laughs> it in a nutshell. Which I mean, which I don't know what it says about me, but that was so right up my alley because like, I like the stuff that, you know, I, I'll read my fantasy and I'll yeah. read, you know, my crime fiction that's, you know, the, the detective finds this, he solves mm -hmm. this, he moves on to the next one. But I mean, there's something that so appeals to me about realistic fiction like this. Realistic thrillers, realistic, you know, interpersonal mm -hmm. relationships that are messy and that are that are mean and that are hopeless and then are hopeful at the same time, and all of that can be found in Slow Down. And I like that stuff because that stuff is life. And yeah, yo, I I think the book is definitely very raw and 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 messy at times in terms of how people sort of treat each other. But I think there is kind of two ways to read it, and, and, and I think we'll sort of end with, with that. Um, I think, you know, you can read it as, you know, these people are so much worse than I ever could be, and there's, there, there's no way that I'll ever sort of reach their, their level. Um, or in, in a kind of sick, twisted way, it's really a love story between Noah and Nevi, and that they had to kind of go through all of these terrible things, ultimately, to kind of realize what they really wanted in life. And they are young, and they are basically naive, even though they grew up in sort of New York City and were given everything, um, that, that this is sort of their school of hard knocks that they have to go through. And, you know, I think there is people that kind of could read it that way, that it's, it's a love story about them ultimately finding each other, um, or not, which is sort of another thing I really like, that people could have very, very different viewpoints of yeah. the book, and it still could work for sort of both of them. Yeah, it's 100% open to interpretation, the ending, and I think that's great, because I think different people are going to want to see different things, and they are going to see different things. Yeah, I like endings that are, are, are open-ended. I don't like when everything is kind of, you know, and again, it's sort of that that David Lynch influence that I think permeates really so much of my work that, you know, when you leave the theater or you finish reading a book that it really could stay with you for a very long time because, you know, a book ends, but characters really don't end. They continue living their lives and they continue living their lives basically in your imagination. And you could really kind of create sort of whatever you want from them. And who knows, it leaves room open possibly for some of them for a sequel. I won't say which characters survive it at the end, but the ones, exactly. the ones who what, do, that's a, that's not all of them pitch. do, not all of them do, but the ones who, who do, you know, who knows if these are people that maybe I'll revisit um, some years from now. Exactly. Well, Erin Conroy, thank you so much um, for this absolutely lovely podcast and your amazing questions. And everybody needs to go see your stand-up and check out your website at erinconroy.com and look out for you at the San Diego. Yes, and um, honestly, you guys, I, I'm one of his, he's one of my best friends and I've been reading his stuff for years, but this book, I couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, if you love realism and, and fast-paced suspense and drama and also just like New York, man, it's, it's a terrific, terrific book. I'm going to be pushing it. Um, we should all be checking it out. And congratulations, Lee. I mean, this is amazing and it's exciting. And it's well-deserved. And it's just the beginning. So Thank you so much, Erin Conroy. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. I will talk to you soon. Okay.